we studied about a man named Joseph. And to me, Joseph is one of the most godly men in the Bible. And I think it would do well for all of us as people of God if we would just, uh, if not emulate him in his character, emulate him in his goodness. And just the way he was with people and how we know the story of Joseph. And so let us go and, and the title of the sermon this morning is called Don't Shoot Back. Right. We just had it there, Don't Shoot Back. And our text this morning is found in the book of Genesis chapter 49. And we're going to read several of those scriptures. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you will probably see those scriptures come up on the screen before you as well as we just expedite time. If you have the same Bible, King James Amplified Bible that I have, you'll find that on page 73. Hallelujah. Before we read this particular passage of scripture, Someone once gave me uh, a list that was entitled, A Few Thoughts to Ponder. I don't know, perhaps you've seen that. Perhaps someone might have you know, emailed you or given you something similar to that at some point in time. And this, this list was, and I thought it very humorous, A Few Thoughts to Ponder. And one of the things, and this is just a little humor before we get started to get your juices flowing here a little bit. One of the things that... Uh, I found was so humorous about that and it said do vegetarians eat animal crackers <laughs> think about it why are cigarettes sold at gas stations when smoking is prohibited there how does the guy who drives the snowplow get to work if nothing sticks to Teflon, how does Teflon stick to the pan? Why are there braille dots on the keypad of a drive-up ATM? Why don't sheep, S-H-E-E-P's, why don't they shrink in the rain? What does Geronimo scream when he jumps out of an airplane? Why are there interstate highways in Hawaii? And can somebody please tell me what a jumbo shrimp is? And I have one more thought that I want to add to that list. How does one measure the strength of a man? So that's easy. You just give them a strength test and everything will be all right. But it's not quite that way. But I'm convinced from my life experiences and the things that I have seen in my short time here in the earth that the strength of a man or woman can be measured by what or she doesn't do with the power they possess. And so many times we've seen people that are, are absolutely uh, intoxicated with power. They're overwhelmed with their power, their status in life, and their success. And they just can't wait to let you know who they are. Yeah. What they can do, not for you, but what they can do to you. Yeah. And all of those things in a, detrimental, uh, in a detrimental way. So as we read here in the book of Genesis, chapter 49, verses 22, and we're going to begin reading here in verses 22, 
through 24. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have surly grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow strode, abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So let's focus here on verse 24 in the Amplified Bible. But his bow remained strong and steady and rested in the strength that does not fail him. For the arms of his hands were made strong and active by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. So in our text, Joseph is clearly pictured here. Joseph is the 11th son of Jacob who uh, also was called Israel. And Jacob was a successful man as we all know. Joseph was a strong man. He was a spiritual man. In fact, he was one of the most outstanding men in all of the Bible. Personally speaking, I believe that Joseph was really a superman. Well, he wasn't able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. He was not uh, faster than a speeding locomotive and you know all of that stuff here, all of you back in the day. But he really was a superman. But it's interesting because the Bible does not have a record of any of Joseph's recorded sin. Mm. Joseph was one who walked closely and, uh, with the Lord, and he had total confidence in his God. Amen. That's something that all of us, we can take a lesson from. Amen. We need to have total confidence in our God, no matter what the situation, no matter what that circumstance may be in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Am I preaching real good? Don't shout me down here. Hallelujah. So, he did walk closely with the Lord and he had total confidence in the Lord. But, and you know that a but was coming. But in our text, we have to be aware that being one with a big calling and a big future made Joseph a big target. For those of you that are working, perhaps you're at the top of your class in school, perhaps those of you that are working and, and you are in a supervisory position or some other position of authority there, just by virtue of the fact you are who you are, you now become a big target for all of those naysayers and for all of those people who just don't like you just because you used to be one of them, but now you're not. So Joseph was a big target because the archers, as the Bible says, and if you look at that graphic, you'll see there, there's an archer right there, because the archers. The Hebrew word for archer is an interesting word. It is, it is uh, B-A-A-L, Baal, 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 and it means adversary. 
So for all intents and purposes, whenever I say Archer here in this particular message today, you're going to know that Archer means adversary. It means an enemy of yours. And these archers, they were all out to get Joseph just because of who he was. But to me, archery is really a coward's way out of attacking a person. You've seen those medieval uh, movies and, and stories on TV and the archers would stand back and, you know, they'd stand there with their bows and they would shoot these arrows and they would fly through the air, you know, quite a few hundred feet and it would appear that they always hit their mark. And every now and then you'd see somebody hiding behind a tree somewhere with their bow and their arrow and they would pull that, pull back on that bow and shoot that arrow and hit its mark. Archers really are cowards in my estimation. And for the record, I want to say this, that I'm not in favor of any anonymous reports or accusations being thrown at people by some ungrateful, jealous individual or group that has an ax to grind or they don't have anything better to do with their life than besmirch good people. Joseph had a whole lot of archers. He had a whole lot of adversaries shooting bows and arrows at him, trying to bring him down. Why? Because he was head and shoulders above everybody else in Egypt at that time except Pharaoh. Mm. Archers hide behind the bush and they wait. And then when their victim is just a few hundred feet away from them, they fire from a safe distance at them. So throughout the life of Joseph, this great man of God, this 11th son of one of the patriarchs of Israel, uh, Joseph, uh, Jacob, throughout his life, there was no shortage of archers who were ready to take pot shots at Joseph. He was shot at, if you will, if you remember, by his brothers because they were envious of him. He was shot at by Potiphar's wife because he was righteous. He was shot at by the butler who was thankless. Joseph's brothers even fired arrows of envy at him and Potiphar's wife, she fired arrows of fury at him and the butler shot arrows of apathy at Joseph. And wherever Joseph went throughout the kingdom, there would be those who would view him as a target and they would always let their arrows fly. I'm giving somebody a word of encouragement in here on this morning. But what did Joseph do when he was shot at? I dare say that Joseph was a good man. He was a godly man. He was a righteous man. He was a forgiving man. Well, if I had been Joseph, you know what I would have done. Thank God I'm not Joseph. Hallelujah. So when Joseph came to power and when he was appointed to be the, the chief of staff of all of Egypt there, he was, he was Pharaoh's right-hand man. When he came to power, he could have remembered all of those people that had done him wrong. Yeah, he could have remembered Potiphar's wife. He could have remembered uh, the butler. Yeah, 
Yeah, he could have remembered his brothers and everybody else that had done him wrong throughout the course of his life. He could have pinned all of them to the wall. He could have nailed all of them and he could have done in the butler. Because Joseph had power. He had the opportunity. He had the legal right. But he didn't fire back. I've been listening to Pastor Dora, and there's been a situation, a circumstance going on, and she just says, well, just kind of, you know, take it easy and, 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 and don't get in yourself here. And I want to let you know that I've been, I've been kind of, you know, wrestling with flesh over these last few weeks, and let me tell you, it has not been easy, people of God. So I want, I want you to pray for me and keep me in your prayers. Hallelujah. Someday we'll tell you the story. Joseph had all kinds of rights, but he didn't fire back at these people. He did not defend himself. But the text that we're reading here today in verse 24 says his bow abode in strength. In other words, Joseph's bow, his instrument of destruction, it remained silent. Sometimes, people of God, we, just, we need to remain silent. We need to remain quiet when we know that there's been an injustice done in our lives. Let the Lord handle the situation for us. So why didn't Joseph fire back when he was going through what he was going through? According to the text that we just read, Joseph's God kept him from grabbing his bow and from letting the arrows fly. Joseph's God kept his hand in his hand. Glory be to God. Sometimes we just need to keep our hand in the Lord's hand. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Because by keeping our hand in the Lord's hand, it will keep us out of all kind of detrimental situations and circumstances. It was God the Father who prevented Joseph from letting his arrows fly. And that's the key for all of us today, people of God. You see, I can't control the tendency to want to defend myself. I can't control my tendency to want to retaliate and to get revenge when I know that there's been an injustice perpetrated upon me or someone that I love dearly. And when I hear or I see things I feel are unfair or untrue, everything within me says, just start firing back, clear the record, and get it all straightened out. Must be my military. Huh? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So the only way to refrain from this tendency of wanting to fire back and clear the record and straighten things out is to say, Father, I really want to stand up for my reputation. I really want to exercise my right. I want everyone to see my point of view. But Lord, restrain me, please. And Lord, my times are in your hands, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, preach it with me now. So why shouldn't you clear the air and fire back for what you think is right? We all, hallelujah, have a right to say what we feel, do we not? 
Because those who find fault with you, because those who come against you, those who shoot at you from a distance are ultimately instruments of God for your growth and for your good. Oh, you didn't want to hear that, did you? Huh? Remember, God's got it all in control. You see, it was Joseph's brothers. It was Potiphar's wife and the butler who were used by the Lord to create in Joseph character and strength and depth that he would not have if he hadn't been shot at. Or if he had been the one to fire back. Glory be to God. I'm reminded of another man who was shot at unfairly in the Bible. And his name was David. There were people who were jealous of him. Saul grabbed a javelin and threw it at David while David played his harp. David ducked and the spear lodged in the wall. And, 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 and young and strong and athletic David was. He could have easily grabbed that spear and thrown it right back at Saul. And you know what? The people of Israel would have been justified in applauding David and say, yeah, way to go, David. Way to stand up for your rights. Go get him, David. But you know what? David didn't. Instead, watch this now. David just returned the next day and he played that harp for Saul all over again. How many times when you have been, you have been uh, called on the carpet or you've been humiliated or embarrassed on your job and you say, well, I'm not going back there anymore. I quit. How many times have people come to church and say, well, you know what? Somebody said something to me and they hurt my feelings. I'm just, that's it. I'm done. I'm not coming back. But all that David went through, he came back the next day and did what he was supposed to do. So the second time, with anger boiling over within Saul, it caused him to throw that spear at David once again. And again, David ducked and he didn't fire back. And after this happened the third time, David got the point and he left. Sometimes we don't get the point. But ultimately, when we get the point and know that there's somebody that's trying to do us harm, just shake the dust off your feet and keep on moving. Later, uh, David was accompanied by 3,000, 3,000 chosen soldiers. And Saul chased David and his 3,000 soldiers. He chased them all the way to the caves of a place called En Gedi, E-N-G-E-D-I. And when David happened upon Saul, who was asleep in one of the caves, David's men said, David, this is your chance right now. You can do anything that you want to do to Saul because he's asleep. How many times in your life has the devil told you, just go ahead. Here's your chance. This is your opportunity. Just go ahead and do what you need to do. And you know what? Nobody is going to know a thing about it at all. So they said, this is your chance, David. They said, God has delivered Saul into your hand. So go ahead and chop off his head. 
And David indeed did pull his sword out of the sheath. But what he did was he went over to Saul and he only cut off a little piece of his garment. Just a small piece of cloth. And when Saul woke up a little bit later, David took that small piece of cloth and he waved that piece of material at Saul and he, he called to him and said, you know what? I had a chance to cut off your head. But I didn't. But the scripture records and it says that David's heart smote him. You can write the scripture down, 1 Samuel chapter 24. And he said, I shouldn't have done even that, he said. David realized that Saul was king. David realized that he should not have touched God's anointing. There are going to be some times in your life when you're going to want to lash out at people, get back at them because of everything that you did. But because you are an anointed man, woman, and child of God, just stand on the word of God. And God's going to work it out for you. Just keep your hand in the Lord's hand. And he's going to make everything turn out right for you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. David knew something. And David knew that Saul was the anointed instrument in God's hand to make him into the man that God wanted him to be. When you're going through those rough patches, when it appears that somebody is being antagonistic towards you, just remember, they could be instruments in God's hands being used by God to help you become that man or that woman of God that God himself wants you to be. Glory be to God. So no wonder David went on to greatness. No wonder he grew into a great man of God. No wonder David became the sweet psalmist of all of Israel. No wonder the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And years later, after David's son, who was Absalom, got jealous and he mounted an insurrection against David. Now we see that David now is running for his life from his own son. And as he does, there was this little pipsqueak of a man who throws stones at David. He throws stones at him and he called him a bloody man because of what David had done years before to a man called Uriah the Hittite. A little pipsqueak of a man. How many of you have ever seen that movie, The Wizard of Oz? And remember, everyone was afraid of, of that great Wizard of Oz. And ultimately, when they look behind the curtain, they see this little old runt sitting back there, you know, whose voice had been magnified and amplified, you know, that he had this great thunderous voice and that he was this big giant of a man who could just by the tone of his voice could destroy anything and everything and all things. Yeah. Well, there was this little bit of a pipsqueak of a man who was just a burr, if you will, under David's saddle. He was the one who was sent to antagonize David, who was this mighty man of valor, this mighty man of war. 
You know, ultimately, when the end of time comes and, and after the great tribulation and all things have been, we're going to see Satan for who he really is. You know, and everybody thinks that he's all powerful, you know, and he can do anything and he's this great big. It's really going to turn out to be that real little bit of a pipsqueak of a rat. Deceiving the people of God. So David said to his general, he said, why should this dead dog curse you talking about this little pipsqueak of a man? So again, he says, sir. Let me just chop off his head. And if I were David, you know what I would have said? No, I'm not going to give you the opportunity to give me the sword. I think I'll do it myself. <laughs> David was growing in the Lord. He was no longer that man who had done what he did to Uriah the Hittite, but now he was growing into a mature man who was now developing into a man after God's own heart. So David said, leave him alone. God has allowed him to say these things and to do these things so that God can do a work in me. Just let it be. God wants to do a work in you, people of God. Just let it be and allow him to do what he wants to do in your life. So tomorrow, if you're put down and if you're misunderstood or you're wrongly accused, you can say, God has allowed this to make me humble before him. And so that I will be totally dependent upon him. Glory be to God. And like David himself, you'll become that man or that woman after God's own heart. And you'll grow in your understanding of who God is. We all need to grow in the Lord. Amen. People of God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So unfortunately, there's no way to be humble without sometimes being humiliated. I really wish there was. And I wish that I could go to a humble seminar and take all of you along with me. Or I wish that I could just go in my medicine cabinet and take a humble pill. But humility and humiliation can be an ugly set of twins that go hand in hand and they'll show up when you least expect them to. But I believe that David knew all of this. That's why the Bible says that his bow abode in strength. So I want to tell you today, people of God, don't fire back. Don't shoot back at those people that are shooting arrows at you. Don't defend yourself for what you do. That's all you'll ever be doing in all of your life. So straightening the record and ironing out the falsehoods will become your full-time job. Yes. When you just start to do it one time, you become a man of the sword. You become a woman of the sword. You're going to spend the rest of your life becoming that person and shedding blood and taking uh, that which God wants to do in your life, taking away from the Lord and doing it in your own strength. Don't do it. Here it is here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. This is what it says here. 
Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. Oh, I love this part. For the Lord will be with you. Stand still, said the prophet. And see the salvation of the Lord. The Ammonites and the Moabites were attacking the people of Judah. They had come against them. They were at war with them. You're surrounded by your enemies is what God said. But here's what I want you to do. Don't send the soldiers. Don't send the chariots. Don't send your defenders into the battle. This is what I want you to do. Glory be to God. I want you to send the praise team. I want you to send the choir. Come on, somebody shout, say, send the choir. Jehoshaphat did just that. And it so confused the enemies. When they saw the choir instead of an army, and because they could hear that praise for the Lord instead of a battle cry, they unsheathed their swords and they attacked each other, leaving nothing more for Jehoshaphat and his boys to do but just go along, hallelujah, and pick up the spoils. How many of you are ready to pick up the spoils? People of God. Hallelujah. Let me, let me read it to you here in, in the Message Bible. They were up early in the morning. Ready to march into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were leaving, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Listen, Judah and Jerusalem. Listen to what I have to say. Believe firmly in your God, your God, and your lives will be firm. Believe in your prophets, and you'll come out on top. Glory be to God. So after talking it over with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed that choir for God. Dressed in holy robes, they were to march ahead of the troops, singing and giving thanks to God. And they said, his love never quits. When the enemy comes against you, like a flood, your confession ought to be, God's love never quits. God is for me. He's never against me. And the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. Verse 22, as soon as they started shouting and praising, God said ambushes against the men of Ammon, against Moab and Mount Seir, as they were attacking Judah. And they all ended up dead. The Ammonites and the Moabites mistakenly attacked those from Mount Seir, and they massacred them. Then further confused, they went at each other and all ended up killed. And as Judah came up over the rise, glory be to God, looking into the wilderness for the horde of barbarians, they looked on a killing field that was full of dead bodies. Not a living soul was among them, people of God. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to carry off the plunder, they found more loot than they could ever carry off. There was equipment, there was clothing, there were valuables, 
So much of it that it took them three days to carry it all away. And on that fourth day, they came together at the Valley of Blessing. And they blessed God. Jehoshaphat then led all of the men of Judah and Jerusalem back to Jerusalem with an exuberant parade. For God had given them joyful relief from their enemies. And they entered into Jerusalem and came to the temple of God with all of the instruments of the band playing. And when the surrounding kingdoms got word that God had fought Israel's enemies, the fear of God descended upon them. If you don't shoot back, people of God, if you allow the enemy to fight your battles for you, glory be to God, if you don't get anxious, hallelujah, trust God, he will fight your battles for you, no matter what it is, people of God. The secret of strength, people of God, is to refrain from using the power that you have. It's not your might, it's not your power, but it's in the strength of the Lord that we should do everything. The secret is to let the Lord fight for you and do a work within you. Will you be a more satisfied person if you don't fire back? The answer ought to be yes. Will you stand up? And will God stand up for you if you don't become your own defense attorney? Yes, he will. Will you see good things happen in your character if you let the shimmies, that's the little pipsqueak of a man, if you, if you just let them go ahead and throw stones at you, your answer ought to be, so how can we do this? Just by doing what Jesus did. Hallelujah. I'm closing out with this. They shot at Jesus, not with an ordinary bow, but with a crossbow, if you will. And Jesus was able to go to the cross he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He had all of humanity in mind. And he was able to go to the cross and to absorb all those arrows that were shot in his direction. He was able to do that because the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed. And he said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And because Jesus had talked to the Father, he was able to say to his enemies, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, people of God, if we want to be like Joseph, if we want to be like David, if we, in fact, want to be like Jesus, we first have got to talk to the Father and surrender our own wills to his wills. Hallelujah. And fight that tendency to want to fire back at those who fire at us. And then after you talk to the Father, you then need to pray for your enemies. Oh, that's the hard part. Praying for your enemies. Blessing those that curse you. Bless those and pray for those that despitefully use you. And if you talk to the Father, and if you pray for your persecutor, then just like Jesus, then just like David, and just like Joseph, you too will be made strong by the hands 
of the mighty God of Jacob. Come on, stand to your feet, people of God. Whatever you do, don't shoot back. Hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battles.